I, you know, I see you so much on Instagram and, uh, but you're not talking to me, you know, like <laughs> no time. So just to see you is really good. What's been going on? Oh man. You know, we're back into the groove now. I mean, soccer season started like, uh, two weeks ago. So yeah. for us, that keeps us pretty busy just in day-to-day life. And then, you know, my daughter's back into her arts and crafts and all the things she likes to do. So, um, this type of thing is one of those welcome treats in the middle of all that stuff. So thanks, man. Yeah. You told me you had about 30 or 40 minutes. So yeah. Uh, anytime you got a bell, you just let me know. Okay. <laughs> you got I, it. Man. Oh, I was, um, I remember when the blessing come out from, um, the church, you know, the, the blessing that made all the, and, you know, I went, thankfully I had someone send it to me before I ever knew what was going on. So I read it. I read the official document. I was like, you know, okay. And then I saw the, but anyhow, I saw you and uh, you, you were pretty supportive and, you know, you never can tell when you meet somebody new, you know, what they're all about and all, but, you know, so you're Catholic dad underscore 23 on Instagram and you and your wife, Haley, how long have y'all been coming on air doing the questions and answers? Um, I think probably about six months now. Um, because the page isn't even, isn't even very old. I think the page might be a year old, maybe. Um, but about six months we've been doing that and she does it kind of infrequently. I'm on there more often, you know, like you are doing interviews and making content and stuff like that. But I love when she is willing to come on there. We always get a great response. I know. Are y'all, do you go on every night? No, no, no. So what we were trying to do there for a while was every Friday. Found out that was too much. So what we were doing was like once a month, we did that for a little while. Uh, I'd like to see us do something like twice a month, like two Fridays a month, uh, because it does really develop some great conversation. And, and we always welcome people to talk when we're in there to just share whatever it is they're thinking. We see it as a very like community oriented thing. Right. Well, we got Eric with us down there. He's our, um, I don't know if you ever met Eric or not, but he's a, or moderator. He's on sometimes. He's been on more than anybody but my wife, but he, 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 he's got some troll repellent. You know, when you get a troll, he, he sprays and makes it go away, but we really appreciate Eric. So, uh, tell me, are you, um, you know, people that uh, are interested in Catholic faith? We got three categories. Basically we got someone called a cradle Catholic. You learn all this stuff when you, when you're a convert, you learn a whole new language. It's a whole different culture, but people that's always been Catholic since they were born, like Eric there or cradle Catholics. And then people who are Protestant or atheist or whatever. And then one day they find themselves lured into the Catholic church and they become Catholic. They're called converts. That's what I am. And then you got people that, were kind of raised Catholic and maybe left the faith for another belief system or whatever for any amount of time, or maybe just, you know, partied forever, never took their faith serious. And they, they came back to church. We call those reverts. So out of those three categories, which one would you be? Yeah, I would definitely say I'm the revert. So I was baptized in the church when I was just maybe two months old and it was one of those things where my parents were already divorced, but, um, I was baptized and what ended up happening was I would go to mass sometimes with my mom and then the Protestant church, my dad's side of the family. And that happened for pretty much, uh, all the way up through my teen years, I'd say mid teen years, 15, 16 years old. And at about that time, I just stopped going to any kind of church or being involved with church altogether. I always well, kept... was it because it was just hitting that phase of turning into a teenager. Hey, Alex. I think for me, um, it was definitely more like I'm witnessing people. I didn't. Okay. So I didn't go to mass very often at all with my mom. She never pushed it on me. She always invited us even when we were very small, 
Um, but on the other side, we were made to go to church when I was with my dad's side of the family. And what got me was for years and years of seeing people, I'll call it play church and not be real church when they weren't there on Sundays. That got me by the time I was 16 or 17. And I didn't want to be like that. And I'm like, I just had this bad taste in my mouth. Like, well, I don't want to be that way that you, you act one way on Sunday when you're there, but another way throughout the week, you're somebody else. I don't want anything to do with that. You mean like, let me ask you about that. Um, see, cause I, I sometimes wonder how people think about me because I'm, I'm from the Bible belt. And to me, everybody went, everybody went to church here. I mean, it's just, if you don't go to church, you're, you're, you're from a, I mean, everybody goes to church and uh, everybody parties like here, you know, it's drinking and church and football and hunting and fishing. And so it's like, I'm trying to get what you're saying, because to me, a hypocrite, somebody that's preaching God's word and everything to you and getting on your tail, then as soon as they leave church, they're out doing all the wrong things or just like a totally different person? Or do you mean people that just weren't, uh, they just weren't real? Um, if you get what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, I would say it wasn't something so extreme that it was just terrible. Right. It was more like, let's put on the makeup and, and the best, hi, how are you? And the best greetings that we can do and our best behavior on, on Sunday morning. Mm -hmm. But as soon as that's over, we'll see you again next Sunday. It's not, it's not that big a deal. Like it was more like that kind of thing. And, and I just didn't feel like there was, um, like it was good emotions. Yeah. That's a great way to say it. Just, you know, kind of lackluster. And, uh, so as I got older, I just thought, well, I don't want to be that way. It just doesn't feel right. It's not for me. So I always kept a prayer life, though. Always, always kept a prayer life. Um, and then when Haley and I got married, we were 22 years old. And she's actually one of the key components in my reversion, because at that time, I had said, uh, you know, as we were looking, thinking about churches, get married at and all this stuff, I was adamant. I would say, I don't want anything to do with a priest, a pastor, nothing. I don't, I'm not religious. I don't want anything to do with any of that. And she was actually, coincidentally, she had visited with the church that I'd gotten baptized in 22 years before and found out all the things we'd have to do if you wanted to become Catholic because she had never even been baptized. Um, were you married at this point? Actually married? We were civilly married before we got, you know, married in the church. She's, but, start, she's the one that's starting to want to go. Yeah. Yeah. So she's the one that brought me in like um, and said, hey, if we're going to get married. So I had to back up a little bit. Um, we hadn't even been civilly married yet when she had already visited the church. Okay. She was telling me, um, hey, we should go over there. I think that church is so pretty. I've always wanted to get married in a Catholic church. I've always thought Catholics were just like there was something about them and the churches were so cool. I just something about it. it's always made me want to be Catholic. And I'm like, no, I'm not doing any of that. I don't want not a church, a priest, a pastor, nothing like that. So we had a big wedding and everything when we were 22 years old. It wasn't in a church. It was outdoors at like a wedding venue, vacation kind of place. And it, it was great and everything. But it was when we had our son. And I remember the moment that it struck me. It was when we had our son that all that came back to me about her visiting the church and saying, you know, you, you used to be Catholic. You used to go with your mom. Like you should go back. I want to be Catholic. Right. And I'm like, no, it all came back to me when our son was born, because when my son was born, the moment that I saw her hold him, I can remember this so clearly, man, I get emotional thinking about it is, uh, I, do too. <laughs> I was crying. Yeah. Yeah. I was crying. And, um, of course I was crying from joy and happiness, but, but brother, I was crying too, because I knew at the same time, I didn't know how to love my son the way a father should. Cause I didn't know God. Mm -hmm. And I, I knew I, at that moment, I'm like, I gotta be a different man for this kid because this man doesn't know how to do it. And that's when I, like, I got a Bible from a friend as a gift and um, I started reading and I started looking to understand how God fathers because I wanted I was like, there must be a better example than the one I grew up with or friends, fathers or how they were and whatnot. I'm like, I want to know how God fathers. 
Mm-hmm. That's when I started reading the Bible and asking questions, and that led ultimately to to my reversion. That, okay, so that's re- I've never heard a testimony like that where your son led you to want to be. I, I mean, I know your your wife or girlfriend or whatever could be pregnant all those months, and you're anticipating it. But when you see that baby, that is everything changes. I mean, it just. You know, it, me. You know what I'm saying. You know, I do. You, you feel responsible. Yes. Want better. You want better for your kid. That's the way I felt. I was like overwhelmed with the responsibility. You know, and I've got to make it right for him. Hey, AJ, Raphael. Um, but back to Haley. Okay, what was her background as far as church? Yeah, no, I, I I love that question. I love her her t- whole testimony too. You have to have her on here sometime, man. Um, so she was never baptized. She had visited churches with friends growing up, and there were a few different family members who were uh, Episcopalian or Methodist. She visited church with them, aunts, uncles, grandparents, but she had never had like an upbringing at all in the in the Christian faith at all. Um, so whenever she wanted to, to come into the church so we could get married in it and I was against it, it did, it, it like broke her heart because that's what she was, felt she was called to do. And here I was putting up the roadblock. Um, but whenever, so whenever she came in and did RCIA, it was a big deal, man. I mean, there was people that were bringing friends and friends of friends and distant friends to come see this woman, because even the Bishop told her, it's very rare that I, I get to meet someone who's never been baptized and never been brought up in, in the Christian faith at all. This is, this wow. is a big deal. Um, and she has, Oh man, I don't want to give too much away. You got to have her on here to have her tell you some experiences. Well, so uh, she's got a hunger for God. And you know, a lot of times it, it a lot of times it is with the woman and uh, my, my woman, my wife brought me to the, brought me to the Catholic faith as well. You know, uh, she didn't always go hog wild in it, but, you know, she's the one that invited me. So that, that's really good. You said, okay, you see, like, were you, like, flipping through the Bible trying to find how to be a dad versus? <laughs> pretty much, man. I, I Pretty much I was. And I tell you, at that point in time, the way I even started with the Bible, because that was my intention, I was like, how do you, how do you love somebody, right? Yeah. Really? Oh, how do you, right? And <laughs> Oh. Right. And and so uh, so what I did was and it might be silly, but it's what I did. And um, I started in Genesis. I got kind of overwhelmed or bored by about chapter four. Though. And uh, then I said, you know what? Uh, I'm just going to ask somebody, where, where do I start with this whole thing? And uh, several people just said, man, just start with one of the Gospels. Just start with John and read the story of Jesus. That's a pretty good place to start to understand how Jesus loves people and, and stuff like that. So that's what I did. I started there and there was many times in the very beginning where honestly, I would just grab it and open it. And wherever I was, I would just read it. Um, yeah. Sometimes it was pretty like, wow, that's, that's exactly what I needed. Sometimes it, I didn't realize that it still was, but I felt like it wasn't what I was looking for, but I didn't know what to do. So I just, I felt like that's the place to go. I don't know how to go through it, but that's the place to go. Um, <laughs> What point did, did you re, did you ever reach out to someone um, other than yourself to start asking questions? Yeah, yeah. So early on, right? So after we had our son, I was on. I would say for the first year, the first solid year, I was reading on my own. And then the people that would come by our house because we live in Florida, so we have still have people from different denominations that go door to door looking to evangelize. So. I would listen to them before I would shut them out. Now I would listen to all of them. Mm -hmm. And I met some really great people that way, just very nice people that are on fire for God and and they believe in God. So I thought that was great. So I just listened to all of them and I, and I take that into my own personal study. But what I did was I ended up reaching out to um, family members and friends who were close to their church pastors and whatnot, all Protestant and just asking them, Hey, what does this mean? Or what does that mean? Or, what should I do next? And when it comes to the Bible, what should I do next? I read John. What do I do now? Right. Mm-hmm. But what I found in that first year or so, 
was I was looking for not only answers to my questions about the Bible, I was looking for some some of my opinions to be challenged, right? And I was looking to be beaten in my own arguments and my own objections I had about religion. Like, and I was it what, was, were, what were some objections you had, for instance? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I wasn't fine. So I'm, I'm gonna get to that real quick, but I wasn't finding great arguments for the the stuff I had, right? Which led me to the Catholic Church. But some of the things that I had initially, right out of the gate, was, well, how is this place supposed to help me raise a great family when y'all got all kind of things wrong in there? Corruption, lies, stealing, whatever you name it. There's people in there. People are sinful. How can you help me when you don't got your stuff right? Right. right. So that was a big one right out of the gate for me. And then a lot, I, of, Chris, a lot of people struggle with that, you know, um, the Malaysian Catholic there. I mean, people say, why should I go there? They're a bunch of they're no better than I am, you know, or they, you know, or like what's a priest know about marriage and a kid, you know, things, things as such. Absolutely. So that was. They're good questions. They're. Yeah. They're, yeah. So that was that was big for me right out of the gate. And I'd say right behind that, it was like, well, why do I why do I have to be a part of a church? Like, I believe in God. I, I believe that the Bible is true. Now, knowing like at the same time, I don't know where it came from or how it came about, but I believe it's true. Right. <laughs> so um, it was like, why do I have to be a part of a church? Why do I need to give the church my time, talent and treasure? Why? Like none of this, I don't see why I would have to do that. Um, and like I said, I didn't have good responses to those kind of things. Um, so what ended up happening was a friend of ours invited us, again, coincidentally, to come to Mass with them. And it just happened to be that they go to Mass where I was baptized as a baby. Again, where my wife went. I wanted to see, yeah. Yeah. And um, so they invited us to Mass. and. Man, I hadn't been there since I was probably nine or 10 years old. And here I was about 24. I don't know. I didn't know anything about Catholicism. I didn't know anything about the Eucharist and theology, hows and whys. I didn't know. But I was sitting there in mass and uh, I just started crying, man. In liturgy of the Eucharist, I just started crying, John. And I had my, my I'm sorry, I get emotional. I had my head in my hands and I was crying and Haley says, are you okay? What's wrong with you, man? And I just looked over at her and I said, I'm home. Yeah. And that's the only way that I could explain it. Mm. I, whatever restlessness I had in me for the past 10 years, it was all gone. I finally took a breath. My soul finally took a breath. And, uh, from there at that moment, I asked our friend like after mass, I asked her, like, how do I do this? What do I, I want to do this. How do I do this? I was baptized. You know, how do I do this? So she got me in, in touch with the faith formation director. And um, I am the person that really likes to know the how and why behind everything. And like I said, I want to be challenged. I want you to prove me wrong. I don't want to be in my own way. So please prove me wrong. And fortunately, the catechists there were just, amazing they were made they shut me down so quick and so bad over and over again and that's the that's the kind of love i needed that's the kind of catechesis i at, at my point in my faith journey that's what i needed man and they gave me sorry go ahead tight mary of the likes yeah <laughs> yeah see, see the comment down there yeah uh let's see oh my we know you chris john and deborah we used to go to saint mary of the lakes yes <laughs> um so they had uh, awesome catechists there man and and that was the kind of catechesis that i needed so that was the type of thing that remember i was telling you i never found answers and i never had good responses to the challenges and whatnot um that was exactly what i needed like the the truth the fullness the history and the depth of the Catholic faith is what I needed. Um, and what I found even more interesting over time, and, and made me fall even more in love with the church, was um, 
it wasn't just at that one cha- that one church. It wasn't just there. It was that way everywhere, right? At every Catholic church, right? We visited all kinds of Catholic churches. It was like, wow, it's the same thing, right? It's the same message. It's through the same lens. It's the same depth. And um, that was fascinating to me. So for the next five years, that's when I really dug in, man. And I, and I feel bad about it sometimes. I really dug in for the next five years, reading all the popular books we've probably read by Scott Hahn and Brant Petrie and Steve Ray, uh, Edward Sree, like all, all those things, right? The catechism, the Bible. For like the next five years, I just dove in and I was so hungry. But as time has gone on now, like I, it seems like I, I've forgotten so much that when I hear it again, I fall in love all over again. So it's kind of this. Well, Chris, just go ahead and tell us why do we need to go to church, even though the church, um, you know, there, there's a lot of mess. I was going to say, well, I am going to say there's a lot of messed up people in church, but people are messed up everywhere. I mean, yeah. there's no place you can go that's not got messed up people. Do you know of any? <laughs> no. <laughs> I, I mean, everybody I know is messed up. Everybody. And, you know, I guess some people think they see the church and because we're, you know, doing this or that we're, that we're trying to project something we're not, but to me, the church is a lifeboat. And we're all in there. You feel better with somebody than alone at sea. So what 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 would you say to somebody when they ask you, well, why do I have to go to church for? Yeah. Yeah. So when they ask me questions like that, I usually try to provoke thought and say, well, did you ever think about what you were created for? Right? I mean, through the understanding of the truth and the lens of the church, right? And by God, you were created, know God and to love God, right? How are you going to do that when you don't seek a relationship with him? Where do you do that? What does he say is his body, physical and invisible and spiritual? How do you do that? It's a lot like the relationships that you have in your life now. It's by seeking them out. It's by talking, right? It's by giving yourself and receiving of them. So I try to take those conversations that direction and leave them more room right, to explore their own challenges and objections, just like I had. So if I could, if, if me and you were um, at the ballpark, you know, maybe our kids are playing baseball and, and uh, I'm, you know, hey, man, you want to go to the lake Sunday? We're going to, you know, take some beer and, and head out and do some fishing. And you're, and you're going to say, of course, what are you going to say? I got, I'm going to church, <laughs> right? <laughs> Sure. Church. And I say, what the hell for? What kind of church are you going to? Then you're going to say a Catholic church. And then I'm going to say, a Catholic church with all the mess they got going on? What, what's your answer? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I like that one, too. That type of thing, I usually go in the direction of, of course, with all the messed up stuff going on. For example... Since when has anything been perfect here, right? Without divine intervention. The only thing that was perfect was Jesus, right? And all that he did and all he created. Okay, right? We can't do that on our own. It's through that brokenness that we're called to wonder. We're called to work through. But you'll never understand it on your own. You never would, man. I had the same objection. Like, if you can't get it right, if you can't fix what's going on in your own family, how are you going to fix mine? The difference is, the almighty, the divine. I'm not that. I'm called to know that, right? I'm called to be a part of it. And the only way to do it is to answer that call, right? So I would also let them know there's still times now when I'm like, hey, man, there's messed up people in this place. (laughs) There's there's things going wrong. There's, There's things that the Pope says and people misunderstand it. Of course. But by God, we're given the promise that he'll always be with us and that the gates of hell will never prevail against it. And it's faith in that very calling and in God that allows us to see all this through. Well, okay. So you're back in church and how long was it from, you know, you said you felt like you were there, you were at home and you were crying and Haley saying, what's wrong with you? Okay. 
what happened next to like your relationship with, with Jesus or you understand that you, did you go to confession or uh, did you have a come to Jesus thing? Yeah. Um, I think that for me, okay, the base Claire, basically Claire, she's in Oregon hope. I'm not going to dox her, but she lives near where the real Jaws was. The oh. movie there uh, amateurville uh, that yeah way. yeah too cool did we you, just talked that like two weeks ago <laughs> did you go like um so you're you're at mass and you're feeling you know you're at home and did you just what, what was next did you like yeah. feel like you need to get confirmed or rebaptized or pray with somebody what what was that step to go from I feel at home to actually getting everything tied up right? Clear enough. For, for me, it was, I like to say it this way, it, it, the switch was, it was very intellectual. I had that experience. And then it was, why? Why did I feel that way? What was in front of me? Who was in front of me? What's going on in this place? Why? So, and that's, I just dove in to asking questions and looking up YouTube videos and reading books and looking for what I saw in the Bible, like what I just see happen in here in the mass, where is it in there? Just looking because I wanted to know why. So I would say for the next year to two years, it was that it was intellectually at arriving at an understanding of what did I experience? Why? How? And, you know, when Haley went through RSA, because we um, she got enrolled in that right away, pretty much, you know, when it became available. Um, and then I had to take sacramental preparation classes because I had only been baptized. I did my classes, but then I also did her two year RCIA with her. I went every class with her because I wanted I was hungry, man. So for me, it was very much. I want to know why now. What was that? Why? And, and why is why and how is this different? When you when you say what's going on in the mass, what? A lot of people don't know the difference between a Catholic mass and just going to church. But we know as Catholics that going to mass is a special event. And something is really taking place there that doesn't place. It doesn't happen at other churches. And I believe that's what we feel. You know, um, are you talking about the, the part where the, they did the concentration and you're on your knees and all? Yeah. And, you know, as a, I was born and raised Baptist, went to Baptist, Pentecostal, Presbyterian churches, you know, all my life. And then when I went to the Catholic mass, you know, and you, you do all that part where you're kneeling and, and the priest is holding up. It's like Raiders of the Lost Ark. He's holding the chalice. And I don't know what's going on, but I knew I felt something, you know, was it that part that was, that made you feel at home? Was it the Eucharist or just the, all of it together, the Holy? I think what if I really had to had to point on something, one thing, it was that I didn't. It was that in the mass, they were taking it so reverently and so seriously, and there were so many people as I looked around, like in awe and totally focused on what was up there. Yeah. And I think it was that that really captivated me and, and, and hit something to me, struck something in me because I was so used to as a kid and then visiting a few times as an adult, seeing um, a preacher, you know, preaching up there. Um, but there was never this like this sense of reverence and tradition and and uh, I almost want to say like this, this seriousness to what was going on, right? This was not a time of entertainment, but a time of like participation in something that was like otherworldly. Like, what is that? I think that's what did it for me. Why do you use that word participation? Because I think that's the same word Paul uses in awe. Is it First Corinthians where he talks about? Oh. He uses that word participation, I believe. I got yeah. my Bible there, but. It's so dark in here, I can't see anything. But, um, you know, when I first went, um, I had never been to a Catholic Mass in my life, right? I'm like 49. Yeah, I was 49, I think. And went to St. Teresa and just, 
you know, you can't, have you ever noticed you can't watch movies and TV at night without seeing something Catholic? You can't get away. <laughs> it's in every cop show, every movie, every, on the news, every, it's everywhere. I mean, you, you can't. So I grew up in the South seeing all these pictures of like watching The Godfather and then <laughs> confirming their baby while people were getting whacked outside and all the, you got the, you know something's different, you know? And when my wife invited me to go with her, the the number one thing that was bothering me is I was like, I don't know what to do because I had enough sense to know that you did something there. I mean, it wasn't like, you know, my church would walk in and they got up and said, turn to hymn number 105 in your hymnals and let's stand and sing the first. I knew it was going to be different than that. And then the, all the clunking down of the pews, you know, I'm like, what's going on? <laughs> oh, and everybody's hitting their knees. They don't even have to tell you to. I didn't hear them say, everybody bow down. You know, it's just they knew when they hit the knees and that unity of everybody doing that, just it grabbed me. And I definitely remember leaning to my wife and saying, I like this. <laughs> <laughs> No, that, that's great, man. And, you know, as we're talking about this and you're talking about participation, I can't help but think about some of, um, well, one of my experiences, an experience that, and also experience a friend shared with me regarding the Eucharist and adoration. And then my son encountering Jesus in the Eucharist and, uh, recently at a confirmation retreat. And I tell you what, it's uh, kind of like what we're talking about here. It It convicts you, man. You know, if, if you're, if you're there and you're open to the Lord, the Eucharist, it, it is, it convicts you. It grabs a hold of you. You're Catholic. And I know there's people that will watch this that are not Catholic. You know, with us, we believe that we're going to eat Jesus. We're going to eat him. And the church I grew up, we had crackers and grape juice. And it was pretty reverent. As a matter of fact, it's the only time we were ever reverent as far as, you know, being real quiet and respect. I remember the minister would say, if you got any unconfessed sin in your life, now is the time to confess it. But they weren't talking about going to see the priest. They were talking about just in your head saying, I'm sorry. And they would tell us, if you take the Lord's Supper, that's what they called it, and, and you have sin in your life, you could be struck dead or killed. So I knew something was different. But I remember at the midnight masses, my second mass, I went Ash Wednesday in March. Then I went midnight mass at Christmas. And I remember that priest said that we're about to eat God. He, he actually said that. Okay. About to hold God. In the, and it just... And I was looking. I was looking at the people as much as I was anything else, because I was like you just said. I, I was looking at their faces and thinking these people believe this. I mean, you can tell it wasn't like we was at a regular church service. I mean, they're talking about eating God, and I'm like, you know, nobody was rolling their eyes or doing this or did you hear him? Everybody, <laughs> it's, it was. That's, it's like being at a funeral. There's there's something I wanted to say about that, you know, as far as y'all are going to eat Jesus, right? Yeah. At, um, the way that I explained it to my son and my daughter before their first communion was because it happened. They, they both said, hey, I believe in it, Dad, but but why? Like, why do we have to do it, right? And they're sincere. I believe in it, but why? And the way that that I learned to explain it to them was, okay, here's why. So Jesus tells us in the Bible, unless we eat his flesh and drink his blood, we have no life in us. Here's something else. Son, you are my son because we share the same flesh and blood. That makes us family, right? What do you think you have to be to be a part of God's family? Hmm. And his eyes got really big and he said, his flesh and his blood. I'm like, you got it, buddy. That's why you have to do it. I've never heard it like that before. Well, now you got it, man. Yeah. I used, I used to, you know, I read that verse and I kind of like 
Well, you know, I think the Catholics are right. Because he's saying right there, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no eternal life in you. And, I, you know, just common sense told me, well, the only way I can eat Jesus is that communion. I mean, I didn't. I wouldn't like the Jews thinking, you know, we're going to go up there and gnaw, give me your leg, Jesus. I got an ankle, you know, or get his finger or something. Because people, were, you know, they, they're, how can how can you eat Jesus? Like Nicodemus said, how can I go back in my mother's womb? And, right. be, and but, you know, I'm thinking it's logical. You go from John chapter 6 where Jesus says, you're going to have to eat my flesh, drink my blood to be with me, to have eternal life. He said, you don't have any if you don't. He just straight out says it. And those Jews walked away because they knew what he was talking about. And someone might, might say, well, how in the world are we going to do that? And then you get right over there to the end of every, every, all the Gospels when, they're, when he's picking up the bread and said, this is my body. Eat, take and eat. This is my blood. Take and drink. I mean, it's just, it, it don't take an, a detective to put together, you know? Yes. Yes. I mean, yeah, that the way I explained it to my kids, um, they went on and on about that. Right. Like we could just say we're family or we could have share the same flesh and blood and be family. I mean, it's being it's like, did you ever become blood brothers with somebody when you were a kid? No. Well, we did that stuff and I'm glad we didn't have age or something from it, but you know, you'd hear about the Indians becoming blood brothers. So we'd kind of like scratch ourselves. We wouldn't, you know, get a cable or slit our wrist, but we'd get, you know, and do this. And they were supposed to. But you think about what you just said when you eat, that when you eat Jesus, I mean, and swallowing him, he's going into your body all the way down your throat, in your stomach, and mixing in with everything. You know, this past, do you ever watch communion and wonder what people are thinking? Yes, all the time. And wonder how almost everybody has their own fingerprint, their own way of taking communion, their little, they add their little things to it. You know, like I watch Hispanics, you know, they'll be, they'll do this, be kissing all over there, you know, make, mm. so I, uh, I took the host and I'm really trying to concentrate on this is Jesus. This on my tongue right here is the same as if I had his finger in my mouth. It's the same stuff. It's Jesus, right? I tell you what else is cool. Something I thought of was, uh, I agree with you. I agree with you. And speaking of that and speaking of talking about taking his body and blood, you ever think about what the wine tasted like at the wedding at Cana? We have it by the same maker at Mass every time we go to Mass. Oh, that's neat. Yeah. That's I shared that with my kids recently. I was driving to Mass, and I thought, you know what? That's what that wine tasted like at the wedding at Cana, except now it's his blood, but it's the same maker. That is really good. I've, ne I've never I've learned a lot tonight. I was trying to find that word where he talks about participation. But it's half dark in here, and it's a small print. I'm in First Corinthians 11. I know you got, and just run when you got to go. Yeah, I got like another ten minutes here. Let's see. Profaning the body and blood of the Lord. That's uh, 11 verse 20. So whoever therefore eats and drinks the cup of the Lord as an unworthy manner, in an unworthy manner will be guilty of profaning the body and blood of the Lord. It just tells you straight out. Did you uh, here we are. You're profaning him, the body and the blood. Chapter 10, starting at verse 14. Oh, we're in a different place. Hang on. First Corinthians okay. 10, starting at 14. Go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead and read it. Okay. Therefore, my beloved, shun the worship of idols, I speak as to sensible men. Judge for yourselves what I say. The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread yeah. which we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? A participation. 
in the body and blood of Christ. If me and you go rob, knock off a bank together tomorrow, and we go and we get caught, even if I was just the driver, where are they going to say that I participated with you? I'm just as guilty. So right. it's just the bread which we break is it not a participation in the body of Christ? You're doing something. You're involved. The cup of blessing which we bless. Is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? And I love how this part of Corinthians, um, chapters 10, 11, and even 12 are all very sacrificial language. They're talking about sacrifice throughout these chapters. And in the middle of it, they talk about participating in the body and blood of Christ. Yeah. And For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body, eats and drinks judgment upon himself. This is why many of you are weak and ill and some have died. So that's how serious it is. If you're not coming to this table, right, then you might get whacked. The old timers took communion about once a year. Yeah day because they were scared they were scared they was, they was afraid they'd mess up between the confession booth and the and the offering line Have you ever, I've done that too I go to you know I go to confession before mass right because we have it during mass and um, I'm taking it and then you know walk and sit down at my pew and you start daydreaming get pissed at somebody at work you know and you're saying wait a minute I just I just got a confession. I think go communion. I'm already dogging somebody. <laughs> but that you know, it should be a fearful thing, I think. I do too, man. And and that's what you know, that's what I think about a lot, especially on like Easter or Christmas, and you have visitors in the church. Um, there's been a couple of times, twice that I can remember. When I'm in the pews and one or two pews ahead of me, there's a number of people there who are visiting who may or not be may or may not be Catholic, but the conversation certainly sounds like they're not. The most recent one was last Easter. And uh they're in front of me and they're talking, you can hear them whispering. It's a whole family, it took up a whole pew. And they're talking, Well, should we? Should we? It's communion time, right? Should we? I don't know. We do it at the other church. What do you think? I think we should. Maybe we should. Back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And then um, as they're getting up to go, you hear one of them say, um, Baptist, Catholic, it's all the same. It's, so I don't know where you go, right? And I feel terrible as they're going up there. But I remember talking to the priest about it. And he says, that's why I give the warning. It's on you to partake unworthily or partake worthily. I gave the warning in the beginning. So, you know, thanks for, you know, considering that, Chris, and everything. But it's not on you. It's on them. I gave the warning. And I just think, you know, about how important it is. Like we're talking about here, it's so important. But whether you're visiting or not, um, I think just out of sheer respect for the scenario, maybe you should withhold, you know, if you don't know what's going on. I didn't go my first. Well, I didn't ever, I didn't ever go until I was confirmed. I mean, I, I my wife, she was so ignorant of her face. She hadn't been in 30 years. And she's trying, you know, when we get there, she said, now when it's all communion time, you walk up there and she was saying, hold your hand like this. And he'll put the, you know, I was like, no, I'm going to sit this out. I don't think I'm supposed to be going up there. <laughs> yeah, no. And, and God bless you for doing that, man. I think there's there's plenty of Catholics that should be doing that, that are practicing Catholics. God bless you for for not doing it. Even, you know, at that time, you know, I think there's plenty that do it because they feel they deserve it. Well, I deserve to go get it. I, yeah, I'm doing some things maybe I shouldn't or I've done some things maybe I shouldn't haven't gone to confession. But it's my right and my freedom to go up there and get that, you know, the host. Mm -hmm. Well, we got this priest at our church and he runs communion. If you get there early, you're still going to be in line. But if the line ain't too long, you'll get through confession. Time it's your turn to get in the line for communion. That's how long it is. 
And <clears throat> he says, well, why don't you come during the week? I'm like, because I ain't going to make it. <laughs> From confession on Friday to communion on Sunday without screwing up. I'm, I'm a sinner. You know, he, you know, he got, he knows my voice. This priest knows my voice. He wouldn't, he wouldn't know me if he saw me, but he knows my voice because he's the only one I go to week after week, after week, after week, year after year. And he's going to ask me, I'll go through it. If I say, if he says, how long has it been since your last confession? And I say two weeks. He'll say, well, see, I've, and I've, he'll say, well, did you take communion last Sunday? Wow. I, I said, uh, uh, yes. Well, you know what the worst thing you did in the last two weeks was? I said, yeah. He said, don't ever take communion unless you've been to confession because you're bringing damnation. I mean, he straight up tells me. Wow. What a great priest. His name's Father Adams. Wow. He grilled, He knows me, man. That guy knows what. I don't know if he's following me around or got some bug in me, but he knows, he he knows when I'm 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 messed up. So, you know, and sometimes I've been there and try to you ever try to count your sins before, like if you got really ashamed of, so you put some medium sins, fit that one out, and then you pick up with some medium sins. And then you ever done that before? Uh, maybe I have very early on when I came, you know. Back into the church, maybe, but not not since. No, that's interesting though. <laughs> Accountability, you know. Yeah. But being Catholic and having to go to regular confession helps me to quit sinning. Oh yeah. A lot of areas just for the thing. Now when I was Baptist, you could wank, watch a movie, wank, fornicate, anything. And on your way home, I'm sorry, Lord. I'm sorry. And that was it. Please forgive me, Lord. Amen. And that was it. But now I do a mortal sin. I got to go drive down there to the church, stand in that line, you know, and go in there and face the man, which as Catholics, we're looking at that priest as being Jesus. Yeah. 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 And you know what? There's there's two things there I, I wanted to, to say something about was uh, one of them was Something that I've learned, because you had said, when I go to confession, it helps me to stop sinning. Something I've learned more and more over time, especially as my kids get older, I mean, uh, my son's in his teens now, is uh, a greater appreciation for how the more I invite God into my life and in different parts of my life, the more he shows up and the more he changes me. And I used to think people that talk like that were crazy. And developing this understanding that evil is the lack of holiness, the lack of good. So if I live my life without inviting God into it, what am I doing? It certainly isn't good and it isn't holy. It's everything else. And, you know, having kids and wanting to have them on a trajectory in life that allows them to grow closer to God. I really developed more of an appreciation for inviting God into my life as much as I can and into many, as many circumstances as I can and, and praying a lot more. And I realize that the more that I do at, do that, the more I'm changing and the more I appreciate everything about my life. That's really good to hear, Chris. You know, I hate to, uh, you know, you told me you had a time limit and I don't want you to be what? late. <laughs> okay. Listen, but, Please invite, tell everybody where you're at on Instagram and all you YouTube people, you need to get on Instagram as well. There's a bunch of Catholic stuff there. If you just friend me, Catholic Rednecks, on Instagram or Chris, Catholic Dad underscore 23, we'll tag you out with some new friends. But tell everybody how to find you. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I have a YouTube channel, but I don't really pay attention to it that much. I just do the Instagram stuff. But you could find me on Instagram at uh, Catholic Dad underscore 23. I usually have videos on there every day and they're just shorts. They're 60 seconds. And my whole aim over there, guys, whoever's watching and listening, is um, to re-evangelize and represent Catholicism 
in a way that's um, more palatable and more captivating than maybe you heard it before. I started that channel because I knew a lot of cradle Catholics in my life who knew all the muscle memory and knew how to get to and from mass and to and from everything except the confessional, right? And they didn't know how or why they were Catholic. And I got, I had developed this frustration over the years of asking Catholics questions and they couldn't answer them. So over the years, I always wanted to do a channel. So I started Instagram almost a year ago. And um, yeah, basically my aim is to represent Catholicism in a way uh, to those people that re-evangelizes them. On top of that, I give a lot of um, just insight and share perspective from a Catholic dad perspective through the Catholic lens. So that's what I do over there. If you want to see that Catholic dad uh, underscore 23. Unapologetically Catholic. Have you, have you met him yet? Matt Pole? Speaking of hooking people up with friends, you actually introduced me to him a while back and I, he's a great guy, man. Thank you for that. You know, hope down there, H O P E Carlson. She's great. There's just, you know, I just invite people to, if you're watching this on YouTube and you want some fellowship, to me, it's hard to get fellowship on YouTube. You know, it's just not a, it's a platform you listen to somebody, but it's hard. You know, Instagram just seems to be more communion, communal. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and these types of things uh, on Instagram seem to go great too. I mean, so, so thank you. Uh, before we head out of here, I want to say thank you for your work, John, because, um, you know, you and I have had some conversations before and if, you know, people go to my, my page on Instagram and they see me as Catholic dad, right? Well, even Catholic dads have people, they ask questions and people they look up to and people they want their perspectives on. And I appreciate you being one of those guys in my life, John. Thank you. I'm just glad we met. I, I love you. And uh, I love appreciate you. that phone call you made the other night. I think it was uh, last Friday somewhere. Man, that blessed my heart. I went, I went in there it was and she said what do you want you know because i'm used to getting lambasted you know by people i've, I've got some real hate mail and, and just the things you said man i couldn't i couldn't hardly uh it really it blessed my heart Dang, i'm glad to hear that thanks for sharing that with me man and, and you do this for me brother well, I, love you. I love you too man i'll see you out there guys thank you for this thanks for the opportunity john Okay. Thank you, Eric. We'll see you guys later. Bye-bye.